0: Hello and welcome to Maine Education Matters with Matt. Matt, my name is Matt. And I'm Matt, too. Matt, today we have a special episode. Today we have an interview with Commissioner Pender-Macon of the Maine Department of Education. What? The commissioner deigned to meet with us.
1: Us? Us us lowly podcasters?
0: Clearly hasn't listened to us before. No,
1: no. (laughs) We We are not hard journalists. We are barely competent in what we are doing. I'd,
0: I'd say I, I, I would be ambitious to be called barely competent at what we do. So we, we have done this interview. Uh, we just completed it uh, a while back, and we answered some, some great questions. She had lots of great things to say.
1: <laughs> Matt, with us today is the Commissioner of Education for Maine, Pender Macon. Holy moly. Hey, Pender, how are
2: you? Hi, I'm well. How are you?
1: Doing fair. Thank you very much for your time. So we have uh, some questions for you. Uh, Matt, you want to start? Uh, sure. Um, start with a nice softball. Um, over the years, the, uh, the DOE has kind of become a lightning rod for, of source for educators across the state. Um, I'll speak for myself, but often looked at with like when stuff comes from DOE, rolling eyes, a shrugging of the shoulders, sighs of here we go again. Um, but since you've been nominated and confirmed, you've talked a lot about making the DOE a resource and a support for teachers, administrators, and districts. So the trust in the field isn't there yet. So what's the plan process for building that trust?
2: I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, We do have a plan. And the plan is to first offer trust. I think that's the way trust is gained. And uh, so we are shifting mindsets here at the department so that rather than providing you all with mandate or an initiative and some instruction and saying we'll be back to check on that and to you know exact compliance and to peek in on accountability for this and that we're instead going to be shepherding the legislative process right now so that mandates are not handed down to the educators and to the leaders of our schools but rather we can provide information resources, technical support, professional development, and trust the field to decide what things are working, what aren't, what things are not working, give you guys some time to let the multiple initiatives and mandates kind of settle in and be evaluated and prioritized, encourage you to stop doing things that are not good for kids or for schools, but really weigh those things out. You have so many things to implement that have been handed to you. And yeah. um, we want, so I think we'll rebuild trust with the field by number one, working very hard not to be um, looking over your shoulder, to, to be checking in all the time. We're gonna ask, are you doing this? Do you have this in place? Um, it's gonna be that type of compliance check for a long period of time so that um, it's not about, we don't trust you, so therefore show us all of your evidence. We're gonna uh, re-empower leaders to lead. We're going to re-empower educators to teach, and it's. Going, I think it's going to be a shift because for a long time, through no fault uh, other than, well, actually through fault that is external to the people in the schools, sure. we have um, had this culture of leadership by legislation that was imposed upon people, and to the point where we've almost disempowered or or caused leaders to forget that they are hired for their expertise their professionalism and their judgment and their creativity similarly the educators in the classroom who have been for so many years really since i would say the very beginning of no child left behind have been handed stuff to implement rather than like here are your standards here's your you know develop your curriculum and and create your your learning environment and so um, I hope to kind of reinvigorate the professionalism of everybody in the field. And when they see us doing that, I think they will begin to trust us because we're not there to be the gotcha, you know, the mandate police, but rather, how can we help you? But that's, I mean, we should have a little, you know, welcome to TGI Friday. <laughs> we're, we're <the, laughs> so
1: that's,
2: that's, that's going to be a big the, shift, I think. I think so.
0: Um, because, you know, the last six or years or so, it's been it's been the opposite of what you've been saying. Yes. So you've said that you want to be here for at least eight years doing this. Yes. Which is is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how long do you think this will take before some of the trust comes in? And let let me preface this by saying, I think with the change in administration, you already have that, okay, let's see what they're gonna do. And I think you already have that goodwill, but it's clearly that honeymoon period right now.
2: Yes, I'm enjoying um, it, too. Yeah. So don't so, don't, I don't know how long it. it's going to last, love exactly. this honeymoon. But, you know, the truth is, so, yes, there is some goodwill, and I've been afforded a lot of... I've been afforded some early trust from the field, um, partly, I think, because of existing relationships that I have, you know, there and... and um, also because of the positive energy around this entire extraordinarily functional administration that we have here in Augusta um, so so there is there is that energy wave to ride for a little bit but to maintain this um, the trust and the goodwill I think it, you know certainly will take time where it is our number one priority it's not just an oh by the way it's it's in our draft strategic plan that we are creating that soon will be shared with the field for your feedback. Um, it's been shared around DOE. We have uh, honed it a bit. I'll be sharing it tomorrow with the State Board of Education. Take their feedback, we'll hone it further. We've shared it with the legislature and we've shared it with the governor's office. Then we're gonna unleash it to the field and get feedback from the field until we have a nice well-defined vision, mission, and strategic goals. But the number one working draft strategic goal is to reinvigorate public trust in public education. So this is, there's kind of two parts to the trust. Sure. Get the, the public to remember that our public schools are the only hope we have for a functional society. Our future depends on healthy, strong, well-supported public schools. We want public trust.
1: there's a lot of pressure there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of pressure there, but here's what makes it worse. <laughs> Um, <laughs> externally to our schools and educators, there are these really um, well-financed and slick and strategic forces that are crafting and perpetuating a myth of failing public schools. You might have heard somewhere that our public schools are failing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a bit of that. <laughs> yeah. That's been the lexicon <laughs> for a little there while are, now. There are testing companies who have a good deal to gain by creating instruments that will create that message and perpetuate that message because they're also affiliated in most cases with school improvement companies. So it's similar to pharmaceutical sales if you think about it. Our public education system is the second largest market demographic in our country after the medical field. And so if you want to be a billionaire. Don't quit right now, your jobs. But if you want to be a billionaire, what you do is you create a project that your public schools need. And then you work with lobbyists to create a, a piece of legislation that mandates the use of your product. Boom, you're done. You're all set. And the reason that people would be amenable to having a law that create that requires the use of your product is because look at our failing schools. That's the message, the fake, contrived like big marketing companies craft this message and you live with the fallout of it. You walk around doing the very best you can in in our schools and in fact impacting miraculous results beyond what anyone could ever imagine. And so I guess back to trust, I'll be out there fighting that fight. I will be disparaging and not doing business with organizations um, who use that type of, marketing ploy, who denigrate public schools in order to sell their wares and materials and resources and services, and maybe that will help to perpetuate some trust with the field when they see that we're here at DOE to protect our schools from those predatory types of practices. I want
0: to go off that a little bit because I was reading your interview in the paper that was yesterday, and you talked about test scores. And how that doesn't really define what our schools are doing what else is there other than test scores so is mm-hmm. that something that take
2: these standardized test scores it's just like that's an easy thing it's what everybody uses as the measure um, and I think over recent years our fascination with I think I think we used to make fun of and roll our eyes at the old industrial age of education where you apply the same thing and you expect the same results and um we're gonna someday, maybe not that long from now, roll our eyes and we'll talk about the digital age of education when sudden, when, when early on people realized, oh, you can feed data into a data mining instrument and print out a lovely graph of anything that you can dissect and separate out and measure and report in a zero to four or some other type of scale and that you can somehow accurately measure the trajectory in some straight-line fashion of human development which is the most unwieldy, (laughs) non-straight-line kind of a thing. And people will say, can you imagine during those days, and I fear that we have risked this nationwide more so than Maine. I think Maine is, we're we're very inventive and we're very, um, uh, I think we're independent in a lot of ways. But nationwide and to some extent here in our state, we might need to look and say, have we given false importance to stuff that's easy to measure? And have we accidentally left by the wayside things that are truly, deeply important but may be very difficult to measure in that sense that we can beat it into a data point and print out some sort of a, of a graph that will show you know, the evidence that we're all seeking all the time um and i think we've we've lost in teaching we teachers have lost that sense of professionalism in that they they forgot that their teacher eyes are a finely tuned assessment instrument like a teacher observing how a, a child is doing in the classroom has been thrown by the wayside because where's the evidence where's the you know four point rubric where's the you know like they've lost that sense of you know that
1: more faith in like the algorithm or the equation than the actual judgment of the human being.
2: Right. or yes, the observation like bringing all of those um, holistic and, and less tangible things that really sure. are part of the human interactions that underlie everything in education. It's the most human-centered work. and we're trying to measure it like it's an experimental model where we're adding you know chemicals to something and we could expect a, a certain reaction each time, but it's, it's very different from that.
1: Um. So since we're on assessment, um, we, we, we're talking a little bit about that. So we know that we have um, – there's a lot of bills in, fo- in in play right now about the main education assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, some, whether it's to keep for PEPG purposes, teacher evaluation. Some, whether it's to just eliminate the whole thing
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: overall. Right. So what I'm wondering – but I know we, we – you know we we you've said in the in the field like or said things like not sure the value of these data not sure the really the, the value at the at the teacher level the school level the student level these data but we also need these data for federal dollars exactly we need so so what I'm wondering then is what what's that balance right where where, where, where does that come in to be able to say well we're doing the accountability measures to to for the national requirements but at the same point make that accountability measure meaningful to the kids to the, Mm -hmm. and then everyone above that, the teachers, administrators, board, etc.
2: Yeah. So I'm hoping that we can get really creative. And the way we would do this um, will not be a small stakeholder group or uh, the DOE separately, but rather it would be with widespread stakeholder input. We'll probably be using um, in a variety, we're going to go to every region of the state. We're going to use the process uh, called human-centered design for social innovation which really involves the humans that to which you would be doing a thing in identifying and and articulating what the problem is and in generally generating the solutions Um, and I bet we can come up with a way better way to assess success of our schools and of our students and it may be more qualitative and it may be more holistic and it may not boil down to that tantalizing you know standardized average score that people seem to crave Um, and it may not, therefore, count for federal accountability. So, on that front, I have um, somebody right now is trying to schedule me with the federal our federal delegation, to uh, and Susan Collins happens to be on the um, U.S. DOE, so oh, so she has that's, a real voice. That's helpful. At the t- it is helpful. And they've done a re um, a reorganization at ESSA as well. And they seem to be touting this flexibility in ESSA that wasn't in NCLB with respect to these types of requirements. Um, I have the document as a PDF. I keyword search it all the time. I've, I know like there may be 14 times where you'll find uh, flexibility in the document. I'm looking for that, but I'm also looking under a lot of other keyword searches to, because Rather than just read the whole slogging thing, <laughs> I'm uh, I, I'm like keyword searching to where we can get to the place where I can use that document in such a way that it will allow me to leverage a message with Washington DC to say it doesn't make sense. What you're asking us to do in Maine, essentially, what you're asking us to do is to identify who are like the lowest performing districts. That's harmful to communities, it's harmful to schools, it's harmful to Maine's public education system as a whole, and it's harmful to public trust and support for our education system. And it's also not particularly valid. I mean, we're using non-valid measures that are not even particularly reliable since we've had only the same test for now, maybe three years, but ish you know because it's been very yeah very and and so so based on all that i would like to say to them maine is a tiny neighborhood yeah um our entire student population is equal to maybe two districts in texas you know and it doesn't make sense for a little rural state like maine to rank and sort and define school success and school failure based on these extraordinarily flat numbers that are they are just not, it's just, it doesn't seem right. So <clears throat> I would like to ask for a waiver and I'd like to buy us some time. And I want them to just give us our money and I want them to trust us to take their federal funding and to equitably share it with the people in the state and the, the communities and the schools who need it most. And I would offer as evidence why they should trust us to do that our ED-279 Essential Programs and Services model, which happens to be the most equitable school funding formula in the country, and it's recognized as such. It's totally imperfect, by the way, but it is by far the most equitable and shows an extraordinary amount of work and commitment to making sure that the communities who need the resources the most would receive those. And so I just want to say, here's our evidence that this is how we could be. Why don't you let us be America's test kitchen of assessment and de- redefining school success, and I might get shot down, and I'll come back, you know, start. It doesn't hurt to ask. It's worth an ask, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. So, so that's, um, that's something we're hoping to do. I mean, That's a big pie-in-the-sky wish.
1: Thank you very much. Commissioner, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it.
0: Matt, that was a great interview. Oh, that was a lot of fun. She seems to have lots of great ideas for where she wants to take the department over the next eight years. And I think the feedback that we've gotten from some of our peers over the last couple months is uh, it's a breath of fresh air. So we hope you enjoyed that. We have some other interviews in the pipeline for future dates. But in the meantime, you can always go back into our feed and listen to previews of bills and Testimony. Reviews of testimony. So go back in the feed and listen to those if you haven't yet. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye, bye.